grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey guys, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, let me get this set up here. There we go. I got my buttons pushed for once. Anyway, welcome to the show. We have got a fantastic show tonight. I've been doing research on these stones, and it is just wow. And I've got some photos for you from uh, the guest website. I've got some photos for you that I found around the web of these things, so you can get a good look at them and see what they look like. This is such a fascinating topic for me. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And you guys are going to stop hearing me complain about the weather because we're done. Today was 82, and we're done. It's going down to 70s now. So I'm really happy about that. The other thing I'm unhappy about today is I have an old dog at 17 years old, and sometimes she can't quite make it out to do her business. And uh, I went to grab my car keys today, and I slipped across my floor and ended up on my back. So I've got an ankle thing going on and some swelling in my leg and all that's going on right now. So... Otherwise, I'll live, but it's not any worse than anything else has happened, but that's what happens. You have a 17-year-old dog, and that's what you got to live with in your, in your life, you know, just little things like that. Anyway, welcome to the show. Again, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour, and we got a good lineup tonight. I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team at www.californiahaunts.org, and you can also find us at the radio at, at the radio website at www.californiahauntsradio.org. Com. And I'm really excited to bring Ben on. Um, these stones are, are, are famous. They, you know, they might be related to alien, you know, have alien stuff going on with them. And uh, I'll let the Ben tell you about them. Okay. I'll let the Ben tell you about Ben. So let's get on with this and let's roll. Hello, Charlotte. Yes. Hi, Ben. How's that? That's perfect. Great. Yes. It seemed like you slowly. I thought maybe I drifted into the slow motion dimension when I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what was happening there. So, <laughs> see, we fixed it. Not Probably a problem. the cosmic energy is floating around California haunts. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're in Mercury retrograde right now, so anything can happen if you probably will. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Mercury's in retrograde. <laughs> I hear that. So tell me, let's start over again. Tell me about you. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a... I'm a American businessman, most of my life. I started when I was 17, 18, running my first company. I was in concert promotions. I've been in wholesale distribution of uh, novelty items. So was with the first guy to ever put balloons in a supermarket back in the 80s. And, and real estate, uh, fixed up an old building and had uh, quite you know, a pizza business and involved with licensed character development for children. So... Uh, across the board then uh, about 19 plus years ago 19 years and seven months to be pretty close um, I was my life was diverted when I was falsely accused in divorce courts and um, then I took a went for three years or, or more initially and then for many after that but of uh, me fighting and then vindicating being vindicated and uh, my accuser was the first woman to ever go to prison and be charged and convicted of perjury in a custody case. And then I began helping others and um, mothers who lost their children, mostly to child services when they were falsely accused. 
and the fathers who were falsely accused and those accused of crimes. And what I do is I um, focus on the judges, the lawyers, and the police, mm-hmm. and I investigate them and and find out information on them in a covert way, and then produce short videos and put them on the internet and um, have been very effective in in helping justice in cases and knocking judges off the bench and police out of their uh, position and and uh, and lawyers having set them back. And they're mostly helping children be able to keep their parents in their life when the government agencies and the other forces that are profiteering on these types of things are against them and the chances are very poor if the David against Goliath in most, or not all cases. Um, but in regards to tonight... Yes, let's talk about our stone. Your stone, our stone, yeah, stone. I'm here tonight for the Nomali Stones. As far as I know, I'm the only person out there uh, on the forefront of helping the Nomali rise. They are obscure, beyond obscure. They are esoteric and, and uh, enigmatic. They have suppressed for a hundred years as Professor Apoyanza would say by primarily by religious uh, institutions and um, I, I, be, I got involved or came into contact with them as a byproduct of many years ago I was approached with an opportunity attempted to recruit me into the intelligence community to work in West Africa while I declined for personal reasons to get heavily involved, I did end up uh, having meeting a, or having a good friendship with the, the agent whom they sent, who real-to-life character of Leonardo DiCaprio from mm-hmm. Blood Diamonds. He was a guy who went into the West African jungles, one of the most dangerous places in the world, on his own, and. Uh, came out with diamonds and friends and had been uh, very powerful, uh, been able to connect with very powerful people over decades over there. And he introduced me to the Nomali. I had them for years and at one point in time, picked one up and used it in meditation and, and began to then other friends and relatives used amazing uh, powers of healing and other such things. And I anticipated that many people would have known about them. I had automatically just assumed that others would know about them and they'd be very popular, especially in today's world where there was such an interest in everything from crystals to ancient figurines. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are well, well aware. When we went to the New York Gem Show, People were familiar with the vibrational patterns of many different types of crystals, the healing potential of a variety of elements and uncountable different stones. But we found no one who had ever heard of Nomali. My son spent a couple of years trying to identify and find people in the United States who had, a familiar, had familiarity and who had activated and used them. Uh, to uh, my surprise, our surprise, we found no one. And uh, so that is a double-edged sword, as you, as you know, Charlotte, when you have something that no one knows about, it's really cool, but you also then 
kind of feel like you should get the word out. Sure. sure. And um, so that's what I did. I began and, and then connected with Professor Foryanza from Howard University. He had been there in the art department for 30 some odd years and uh, was a curator at the African Art Museum. And we connected with him and did an exhibit for a couple of years of the stones in the museum. Uh, we began, I began to get into other areas and, and, uh, again, shows, etc. And inevitably was able to inspire the people out at the Ancient Aliens television show to, uh, include them in an episode. And, uh, that was the first time, you know, we, as I said, for a while, I started to wonder, are they, are they real or are they, are they, and how could nobody know about it? Maybe it's a, it's a fraud. But research shows that they were first identified in the 1400s by Portuguese sailors, first written about in Thompson in Africa in 1854, written about again in 1906 and 1917 by Walter Edwin in, in his book. Uh, Thor Heyerdahl from the Contiki mentioned him in a book he did with, uh, connected him to Easter Island. And uh, you forward to 1990 when Unsolved Mysteries did an episode on the Angelo Petoni stone that was found in West Africa. Thereafter, almost nothing. I mean, we can find no, uh, no television exposure or awareness. And so, again, in the last couple of years, we've done podcasts and, and uh, as I've said, you know, I'm confident that you are the first contact for most, if not everyone in your audience, to the Nomali. They are so heavily suppressed and obscure. Hmm. And the question is, did you choose the Nomali or do they choose you to uh, be part of their awakening? I think they chose me. Yes, yeah, so, you know, like any angelic spirits that are that are designed and created to help humans, they want to do that, it's my opinion. And and uh, so they're looking forward to getting back into act more active. They would have been used over the millennia by shaman mm -hmm. and medicine men and medicine women and, and the chiefs. There are many, a variety of them for different purposes. Unlike other stones, that are found primarily in temples and burial grounds. The Numali are found randomly buried in the jungle. Hmm. And uh, nobody really knows where they come from. Now, the natives would say, do say, that the Numali gods lived in the sky long ago and they misbehaved. And as a consequence of their misbehavior, they were turned to stone and rained down upon the earth where they lived with the ancient natives. And they were said to have been massive in size and their eyes were bright like the sun. She could not look into them and their voice transmitted from one village to the other. They could be heard and... Um, and they came and they blessed the natives. The natives would say that no man carved these authentic nomali. While there are many fakes out there available on the market, the actually authentic ones, which are 
used still in, in the bush, and very deep in the bush only for the most part, are, um, are um, according to the natives, were created by the Nomali gods and gifted to the humans to provide blessings in very many specific areas and some more broad. That's very interesting. And has there been a lot of research into these stones or no? I, as far as I know, we're the first ones that are uh, ever documented. Well, you know, to put it into the paradigm, they come from West Africa, which is not a culture of writing. It's mm -hmm. a culture of oral tradition. So they have no written um, detail as far as the history of them, what they're used, except that we get little notes, if you will, from the from the bush mm -hmm. that'll tell us how they used them, where they found them, uh, what they used them for, and what they believe their powers are. So the um, as far as the documenting of the of the activation and use of the Nomali, I believe we are the first to do that and have been um, assembling and have a couple of shamans and a number of people activating the stones, people who have acquired stones from our collection. Mm -hmm. We have made them available. And we are going to write the first book, or publish the first book, rather, on Nomali, which will be a coffee table book, just really to show the images and capture the the, the mystery, the mystery and, the, and put something out because mm -hmm. it just isn't anything. And um, also working on a potential internet television program, Nomali Hunters. And yes, we have on the website, ancientalienstones.com, you'll see we did the first ever that I know of, group meditation at the New Hope Metaphysical Society with the stone in the center of it. We did, uh, we have well, my friend Jeff the Shaman, who was, is known from being involved with the crystal network, or crystal tours, crystal skull tours, rather. And Jeff, the village mystic down in Bradenton, Florida, has been using them for years, and he has uh, the new type of, uh, the new technology cameras that you may have seen that pick up energy and he shot some footage using the Nomali in a healing. And uh, we have a little piece of that up on our website. So, yeah, we're, it's exciting because we are providing into those who are actively involved in healing and, and psychic and paranormal activities. And, and some of that includes banishing of evil forces, too. And uh, and then documenting the results uh, for the first time in, in history that we know of. How can you tell the originals from the fakes? Well, that's a that's a pretty good question. It's uh, and certainly you could have one person have one opinion and another have another opinion. We were, you know, we. I would say the. The primary way you can determine them is when you activate them and see what the impact they have on 
those who are using them. That's really the where the rubber meets the road. But there are certainly some indications, some indicators, and some some uh, things which just stand out as more likely to be authentic. We did take our collection to Professor Kakua Foyanza and had them authenticated. Mm-hmm. Because well, you know that's the way to do it. That's he was the only guy I knew of that quality, of the qualifications to to give an absolute. Um, opinion. When you talk about activating them, how, how does that happen? Well, I I don't know that I could say exactly how <laughs> it happens. It happens differently with, you know, I feel like I'm the steward and my job is very simple to pass them on sure. to the individuals who are destined to own them. And when someone connects to a stone that they seem to be destined to own. There is an energy they light up and, and, uh, yeah, that's, so I guess that activates them right then when they get into the hands of the person who is, uh, destined to have them, of course, not own them because they'll be here a lot longer than we will, but whoever's destined to use them at this time. And then, you know, I would say as an example, when, we put them in the center of the group meditation at the Metaphysical Society. That certainly uh, seemed to activate not only the stones, but the individuals. Jeff, the village mystic, when I first provided one to him, he put it on his altar with the crystal skulls, but he felt like it wanted to be used in the healing, so he brought it in to his healings and set it on the table and, and used it in the, in the healing process. So I would say that the answer is that it's best for me not to try to limit people by telling them how they should activate their stone. Um, you know, there there are professors and scientists who mm-hmm. have acquired them that are, that study the uh, nanotechnology, nano uh, uh, particles, mm-hmm. and uh, and they would they that particular woman she's. Uh, uh, would put it in the center of all of her meteoric pieces that she collected all her life and put it in the center of there and keep it in, in there as a, if you will, on the, on the altar or shrine and then meditate with it. They are hands-on in that it's been my experience that it's best, and this is why we're not as interested in seeing it stay in museums. We want to see them get out. People, actually, what happens is you put them, if you have a sore back, or a sore neck, you put them under that spot and lay back on them with a soft pillow to absorb any, any, uh, you don't want them hurting you. But, um, over and over again, I've seen that work where they're just put on the spot where the problem is. And then during the process of a meditation, something happens, which I couldn't describe necessarily. Hmm. That's absolutely, that's absolutely fascinating. And how did you get these? Because uh, are you a collector or? Um, did, did you... Yeah, I would be considered a collector, yes. Okay. So how did you find these? Or who, I mean, who introduced you to this? Uh, Bill Diamonds was the a diamond smuggler. And okay. Oh, that's right. Operative that's right. That's from, right. And he operated in Sierra Leone, Liberia, and Guinea. Those are the only three countries where normally are found. Wow. Um, in the world. And 
when you go back to thinking about that they might have links to aliens, why, why do you guys think that? Well, you know, I, I've, I'm very careful to point out it doesn't really matter much what I think. Right. The, the reason why there is a potential connection to the aliens is because the natives contend that the Nomali were gods who came from the heavens and rained down and lived amongst the humans, and that these were stones that were given to the humans, and some of them are the images of the Nomali with the specific uh, nose and, and lips, large nose, large lips, and, and, sh and short legs, mm -hmm. which are characteristic of the Nomali and how they looked when they uh, resided and lived amongst the natives. Okay, okay. And how many of these uh, stones do you have? Oh, I've got dozens of them. I've collected them over quite some time. Okay. Are they hard to obtain? I don't know anybody else. With, well, other than I understand that the British royalty have a very large collection in the uh, in the palace. Okay. Okay. So, so I, I mean, there are fakes right all over the place, and yeah. if you look, you'll see there are. There's an Omali at the Bronx Museum. They've been on exhibit at other museums. Mm -hmm. They're at the Smithsonian. Um, Smithsonian has had them up. They are, you will see that they have been sold at the Sotheby's auction before mm -hmm. in New York and, right. in, and in England. And they, they range from the authentic ones from six to up to eighty dollars or $90,000. Right. That's incredible. Now, the, the fake ones, are, which you, know, you can certainly put on display and, and are interesting and you can meditate with if you'd like, but I'm not saying that you couldn't tap into the energy there available for very inexpensive on the internet. That's it just it it's, boggles my it's mind. It's interesting that something that is so unknown had thousands and thousands of fakes. But as early as 1917, when Walter Edwin wrote his book, he said there was a contention that they were fabricating fakes in the Orient and sending them to West Africa to be resold <laughs> as authentic ones because they were that popular. So there was a time when they were very popular throughout the world relative to the, this time here. Well, yeah, it's like you say, it's kind of funny that they are so popular when nobody hardly knows anything about them. Yes, well, for many years, it's been, they have been suppressed from a variety of reasons. Those three countries are the target and our focus of religious uh, missionaries, if you will, mm -hmm. but many of whom are fanatics. And when I say fanatics, I mean those who are willing to kill someone who don't believe in the same God they do. <laughs> okay, that makes, that, okay, that makes that. a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> so those individuals, both Muslims and the, the fanatical Christians, are very much uh, demonize any of the native beliefs and will smash these items and will harm those in the bush who are still using them. Could that be why I know I know stuff gets buried, you know, over the centuries, but could that be why there's so many that, that, that there's a lot of these things that are found buried that they were trying to hide them? No, they were buried long before that. They've really been suppressed mostly the last 100 years. Okay. Um, they were buried. I mean, again, they were finding them in the 1400s. Uh, the natives, the chiefs would say they are 10,000 years old. Mm hmm. 
And um, yes. Okay. The um, that's what we know. There's wow. much more that is not known than there is that is known. Right. Right. Has there really ever been a? I guess nobody's ever really really done undertaken a study on them. Then, right? There was very little. I mean, uh, Angelo Petoni, when he was on Unsolved Mysteries, he had he was another uh, operative. He was, if it weren't for a couple pictures, you wouldn't be able to know he actually existed. Right. He, there is some mention of him when he was in the resistance in the Second World War, and uh, worked with the British and uh, United States forces. But then he pops up again. He's the, which is not unusual with these operatives. They get, they go to places where there are diamonds and gold and etc. But anyways, he pops up again in 1990, and he's the in charge of excavating for diamonds in West Africa. And and he heard that the natives believed that the diamonds were part of the Nomali kingdom. They were a star, and when that star fell to the earth it went into the ground and that's where the diamonds were and that is why when they find nomali they often find diamonds near them so angelo petoni being a pretty smart guy says to the native chiefs he says hey if the sky fell down and the stones came and diamonds came you must know where they fell when the, when the Nomali gods came. And they said, well, yeah, we know where some fell. And they said, well, take us to that place. And they said, well, we can't take you, but we have a shaman who can take you to that place. Hmm. So the shaman took him to the place, and he did a dig there, and he found a couple of things. One, he found a Nomali. It was uh, 140 feet into the strata, as I recall. And um, it was the deepest they found him. And he found an Omalini, it was in, uh, it was, uh, the image was somewhat of a dinosaur look. And he brought it to his, uh, back with him, and he, at some point in time, thought he heard a sound inside it, a vibrational sound. So he x-rayed it, and lo and behold, they found there was a metal ball in the middle of the stomach. Really? So this complete stone it had no holes where you would put a metal ball into it and they evacuated the metal ball and had that tested in this we asked if there's been any research they did have that tested in germany and austria mm-hmm. and, uh, sweden i believe and, and that was headed up by klaus dama who's an expert for many many years world renowned in the items out of time field and they evaluated it and they found that it had chromium in it. I should back up and say they were able to find, they were able to capture some strata around where they found that stone and they carbon dated that to 17,000 years old. Whoa. And so the stone, the carved, the carved normally was 17,000 years old and the bearing inside of it ended up having chromium in it. And chromium, of course, was not discovered by mankind until the uh, 1700s. Right. 1960, I believe, and it was uh, isolated in maybe 1790s. So that was quite enigmatic. Now, he also found the blue stones, and they have never been identified. It's the only place they've ever been found in the world. They are blue. It is a uh, unknown 
material that organic material that they believe is from another outside the the earth mm -hmm. and um the interesting thing too about that was that when they found there was a large many many kilos of them and they were in the shape of a pyramid underground now that is interesting because again walter edwin and others have contended that the theory is long exist in west africa that before egypt was a uh, a pyramid center that the pyramids had been built in west africa in the jungles and egypt was actually a satellite of the much larger civilization which lived in west africa and that at some point in time and, and that's where the dogon come in they're involved in that mm -hmm. theory and principle and at some point in time that kingdom was reabsorbed whether it was part of atlantis whether it was part of an ice age uh, there are various theories but that again the the pyramids began in west africa first and in the ancient mm -hmm. civilization and that's why it's of curiosity that the blue stones were found in the shape of a pyramid underground um you know sometimes you know within history that's why i find this fascinating that they were only found within a certain area you know i mean you know different country but certain area because you know you got the like just the stuff at Easter Island, and there's, I mean, there's similar statues and stuff that people find all over the world, but they're not doing that with this. Yes. Yes, and there are some that resemble stones from other parts of the world, right? And some that do not. Right. Some that are extremely unique, right? And do not look like any other stones, uh, ancient figurines, artifacts, mm -hmm. if you will, right? Because that's always been the theory that, you know, like with the whole thing with the aliens visiting, because the ancient Egyptians had these beliefs going on, and then the Native Americans at some point, you know, knew about the birth of Christ. So somehow the word was getting out for everything. Yes. That This is all fascinating to me. Well, and of course, Thor Heyerdahl was a big part of that. He, his overall theory that he proved was that man, early man, did not see the seas as a uh, hurdle, they saw them as an opportunity. If you recall the Conte right. Key where he left South America and and with no power whatsoever, built a ship exactly like it would have been long ago and ended up in Poly French Polynesia. Right. Thousands of miles away, just drifting, proving that Polynesia was not found by the Asians, but was or discovered by the Asians, but was most likely inhabited earlier and uh, discovered by South Americans. So that's why I find this so fascinating that these were constrained to just a certain area. You know what I mean? Yes, it is interesting. And those three countries are, are relatively small. Mm -hmm. So it is a, a limited area of, uh, again, Sierra Leone, Liberia, and Guinea only. And I noticed that some of them are based on, uh, like you say, the gods, like the fertility gods and whatnot. Yes, yeah, some of them, they range from those which are representative of the Nomali images of the gods right. themselves to those on the other end of the spectrum, if you will, which are, are humanistic and represent values that they wanted to instill and and highlight in the society at the time such as what I'm looking at now, which is the the Divine Mother and Child 
Mm-hmm. There are any number of them which are for, for mother and children. And that is to remind all of society that it is important to venerate and to care for the mothers and the children of the society. And also then, of course, there was a high mortality rate. And so the stones were used as a blessing and protection for the mother during pregnancy, during childbirth, and for the mother and children subsequent to childbirth. Right. And yes, there are male fertility ones. There are, <laughs> and then there are some in that are in the middle that have normally figure or normally features, mm-hmm. but also humanistic features. And one of the examples of that would be what the category classification called the Mahanyade, which are chief stones. And so these would be stones that would have been handed down from chieftain to chieftain and would have been a primary part of the celebration of the enskinment of a new chief or the installment of a new chief. And so, as with many cultures throughout the history of mankind, the leaders, the emperors, the kings are considered to be of somewhat of a godly lineage mm-hmm. and to have been to be connected to the gods. And if they're not, then you don't want them as your leader. You know, you vote them out or however you get rid of them, you don't want them if they're not connected to the gods because your society will suffer and if they are connected to the gods and blessed then your society benefits thus those particular stones it represent the the fact that the chief would be instilled with the um with the qualities that an omali would have the gods and the ones you would want a chief to have the bravery the honesty the the caring heart, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the ability to lead, all those things would be what's represented when it is a humanistic form combined with normal. So is this, is this why um, people are, well, people are not saying like you, but is this why collectors and, and others think that they might be, be related to aliens? Because like you say, it's a combination of, of a human form and something else. Yeah, and again, I think just the fact that they are, you know, there aren't, there are many, uh, if you will, um, legends of gods, but there's limited a number of them where the gods came and lived amongst the humans. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those. So the only information that we have of any consequence is from the natives. And their strict belief across many villages, while they will vary in some many details, what they all are of the belief is that these were gifts from the gods, that no man carved them, Mm -hmm. and that they were gifted uh, directly from gods who walked amongst the earliest of their ancestors. Which is why they're... Have, have so much energy in there for the meditations you the, yes there could be you could contend that over the thousands of years that they have been part of the process of celebration and utilized by these shamans and medicine men medicine women and chiefs and individuals that they would have um, a battery charge if you will of of energy 
And there are those, when we do go to the shows and other places I've been, who put their hands upon them mm-hmm. and who have visions. Um, some, some seem to light up, some break out in tears. And they will tell me that they see things. They see ancient tribal ceremonies. They see suffering and they see joy that they see things that mankind had these, some people have uh, held them and say that they believe they are a hundred thousand years old or more. And that's what they see. You know, again, I don't limit um, anything by my beliefs or thoughts. I am very conscious that I want to just let people discover on their own. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, there are, again, many people who are sensitive, what I would call stone whisperers. Stone whisperers. And um, one, I can remember a guy who put one in his hand, and he looked like he had an electrical shock. His body just went like that. And he, and he started telling me all about the stone and how it was used. And, you know, after they're done, you look at it and you say, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's amazing I didn't think about it. But then you look at it, it's like, wow. And that's, you know, it'd be nice if I could say I have, I have uh, I'm the amazing Karnak, and I can see all there is to know about each stone, but that's not the case. I'm just the guy who has them. I use them for myself, and I put them in the hands of other people who use them and activate them and, and are blessed profoundly in their lives. Yeah, but see, there has to be a reason why you, you know, why, why you're the one that's getting these things to give to people. I don't know what that is, but yes, there has to be one. If you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> well, like you say, like you asked me, I you either pick the stones or they pick you. So obviously they picked you. It would appear as that is the case. I had no intention. Do you, uh, like like you say, you don't feel anything off of them, but I mean, have you ever thought that you felt Oh, it? yeah, I, I feel too. I, I meditate with them. I use them. I don't have, okay. I don't have doctors. I haven't been to, I've been blessed by God and... Uh, but I haven't been to a doctor since I was 17. I'm 62, so that's 45 years. Except if I need to go to the hospital and get a bone set or stitched up, and then I get in there and get out and don't come back. But yeah, I, I, I've used them for. I used one today. Earlier, I had, you know, I, I beat my body up pretty good all these years, and sometimes mm-hmm. that gets dramatic and. Uh, uh, you know, some aches that knock you back and when that happens I uh, will activate a stone and use it and uh, I've had personal success, yes. When you have a lot of these and I know like, um, you know, how people collect things and people have said when they collect things they can feel stuff off of them when they're, you know, when they're in the same room with them. I mean, when you're in the same room with these stones can you feel the energy coming off? Well, yeah, I have some in every room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Almost a salt rock, you know. Everybody's into these salt rocks now, right? I'm not familiar with salt rocks. Yeah, they you know they, they put lights in the, in, the, in these salt oh, rocks. Oh yes, yeah, yes, see? they're yeah. pretty cool. Everybody's into that now. Okay. You know, so I, I just, don't have one of those. Yeah, I was just wondering if if you if you did feel you know like sometimes you know an object will make a room feel calmer. Yeah, there's no doubt that you know the overall there's an overall impact, but then. Certain ones at certain times, mm-hmm. you know, will um, will call to you to 
and we meditate with one that's a little different than the other one, and the next one's different than that one. It's sure. hard to, to describe the difference, but they're all great. I've never had a bad experience or seen anyone have a bad experience. Sure, sure, sure. So when somebody's interested in one, do you, do you, do, you know, to purchase one, do you check them out first? To make sure that they're that, that they're legit, because you don't want to hand it off to some fool, you know. Well, I no, that's not really my position. I, I don't. I would say this: that I would think anyone would be remiss or silly to try to to. And I've been asked that before. And the reason why people would ask that is there's a just an underlying um, uh, paradigm that we've been fed for so long that these are demonized they're dark they're from the jungles mm -hmm. you know from way back in the days when we were watching black and white movies when i was a kid you know and, and uh, but the uh you know i in other words I, I don't think that anyone who would be intelligent would try to take something that is designed for a blessing and turn right. it into a curse to use it to uh curse another individual or something i just wouldn't be concerned with that working for them mm-hmm mm-hmm I mean, there is a, there, I have, I'm looking at also the Pumdo Devil Stone, which is very frightening, just similar to the, the door knockers in, in Europe that were extremely frightening and they were designed to frighten away the demons at the door. So they wouldn't come in, it, they were more frightening than the demons. This is the Pumdo Devil, the Pumdo is a specific uh, tribe. And what is the Pumbo Devil? That means it's a stone designed to fight the devil directly. And it is for eliminating and banishing demon possession mm -hmm. and for fighting the evil forces that are extremely powerful. Now, someone might think you could take that stone and use it for evil because it's, it's the Pumbo Devil, but it's just, I, I don't see how that would work for them. That would not be, you know, if they want to spend that kind of money and have a stone fall on their head, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned. The stones seem to find out who they belong with and and the people who connect with them are enhanced. And it activates the person and the stone. Mm -hmm. You know, they get the best out of both. In, in, in my opinion, the stones do have energy, but like many things, in my opinion, again, it's it's only there when it's activated. It's like, you know, you have to be open to the angels and spirits of light and love. If you're not open to them, then, um, you know, they just hang around and wait for you to call on them. <laughs> right. We live in a free will zone. We can choose evil if we want. That's our choice. So, but, you know, the angels of all forms, the legions of angels, the uncountable hundreds of thousands of them are, are waiting at the beck and call and our ancestors and and the, the powers of love, light and forgiveness and the Lord are all waiting at any given moment to be called in to activate, to heal, to bring calm and blessings and peace. When you, things that, uh, when you first there. got the first couple stones, did you think that it was going to lead you um, in the direction that it has? No, I got uh, stones and masks and other things, and and I thought, well, they're all cool, but it was a period of years till, uh, I mean, I thought the stones were the coolest, but it was a period of years, I mean, there were years when I just stuck them in a box, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was over a period of time that they... They seem to, uh, you know, 
be more and more interested. And I was in, I was in a crisis at one point in time. I faced in my daddy justice work. Uh, I've been charged with more crimes than anyone you will ever know who's not in jail, and I've been able to beat them. Almost all representing myself pro se, and often with video footage that I come out with at a Perry Mason moment, if you will. And uh, one of those crises is when I first picked up the the twin stone and meditated with it. I don't even know what made me think to pick it up. It was on my dresser, and I picked it up, and I said, "Oh!" And it was so powerful that uh, you know, I continued to do that. And I thought, "Well, I'll try another one." And I tried another one. It was powerful, a little different way. So then you know how it is. You got friends and relatives who are struggling, and those who you know would be open. You say, mm-hmm. "Hey, check this out." And oftentimes, when people are in pain, they're more open than when they're not. Right, right. So you say that. Um, I'm going to go back on that a little bit. You say that different the different stones do different things. So how do you figure yeah, out? How, how, yeah. How do you figure out what stone does what? Well, some are going to be pretty or somewhat obvious. Uh, a mother. A divine mother with child mm-hmm. is pretty obvious. It's a mother with a child nurturing the child. A male uh, fertility figurine, there aren't a lot of them, but the ones that there are will have a larger penis than mm-hmm. ones that are not for male fertility. So that's kind of pretty obvious there. The chief stones will, again, be the configuration of both humans sometimes and and normally, and a chief or someone very important will be on a what will be a throne. Now it may not look like a throne; it may just look like a stool or even just a very mm-hmm. small stool. But they'll be sitting on something of reverence. They will also, perchance, have a very just uh, discernible but mm-hmm. not extravagant indicators that they have bracelets on their wrist and on their arms. They will have a staff if they have a staff. That's like um, now the heart stone is. You know, it wasn't really clear to me until I handed that to the stone whisperer. But then after you, after he explained it to me, and I looked at it, then you can tell by the design mm-hmm. when you actually chop. You know, when you actually got to discern why and and uh, dissect the, the design. It's obvious why that is the heart stone. And, and the stone of the chief of love, as we would call it. Um, you know, the lion stone, there's only one lion stone, it's a large round stone, very powerful to look at the, mm-hmm. that. Obviously, the lion is for victory in, in battle, in war, and strength, and uh, courage, and uh, yes. The crocodiles are prevalent, and that is because the um, natives believe that they venerate the crocodile and hunt and live on land and in the earth. And the Nomali were said to be connected to the crocodiles. They were potentially aquatic, like the um, the Nomos from the uh, uh, from the from the Dogon. And so, if you see a crocodile going up to the back or infused into the front. Mm-hmm. Again, that's an indicator that the, uh, it's an Omali god with the power of the crocodile, or it's a chief who's being infused with the power of the crocodile. 
And then finally, again, it's back to the person who acquires the stone. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, what was it? It was nanoparticles. Uh, the name of the specific nanoparticles. But um, that professor, uh, I'm sure I could think about it. But anyway, that professor, um, you know, recognized it, that the, the one she picked up was described. It had a, uh, a plaque in its front, if you will. It was a nomali figurine with a plaque, if you will, holding it in front of its body. And her indication was that that was the messenger and that these nanoparticles were uh, bringing a message from the universe mm-hmm. and uh, that this stone was helped her to receive that message and focus it to her. Fascinating. No, I would have never thought that, obviously, because no. I don't know anything about nanoparticles. Right. It's incredibly fascinating. Have you ever wanted to go out on a dig to find these things? Well, I, I never really wanted to go out there uh, for the most part. I didn't think it was a, it was a, a place I wanted to be mm-hmm. as far as, as far as involved with the um, uh, intelligence operations. Right. Okay. Uh, we did fund a, the first ever, uh, about two years ago, expedition where we sent our operatives in to get, again, the first ever footage of Nomali being used in the bush. Very phenomenal. I mean, the one piece of footage my son has up, my son Quinn, Q-Man, works with me on this. He has it up online, uh, is of the natives. And there's a, a two points where one, you see the orbs come out, out of the woman and the other where there's these I don't know what to call them, just, you know, ghost particles flying mm-hmm. all around when they're used, when the shaman is activating the stone in the cave over there. So that's the first ever, but, you know, to do this, it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, for one thing, we had to arrange for the camera to be allowed to come in to those parts of the country because cameras in government are not um, appreciated. They generally means enemy. Mm-hmm. And um, they also are subject to being persecuted for using the traditional arts. Um, and again, it's not politically correct. It's not uh, medically or scientifically or religiously supported. All of those are uh, forces which would quell any of this. So we asked at first and they wanted the first expedition to come in with no cameras mm-hmm. and but we were able to negotiate where we sent in one cell phone camera and um and that's the footage we got out and that started when ancient aliens television show asked me if there was any footage of or any pictures of nomali in the bush and i said you know as far as i know there are not they have quite a research team out there, of course, and they did their research and got back and said, hey, we can't find any. And uh, so that's what inspired me and uh, my friend Mark to fund and to coordinate and organize the expedition into capture that footage. 
I saw that footage. That's that's incredible to see that you know to, to see that stuff shooting around like that. Amazing, isn't it? Yes. If you guys and, haven't you seen know, it, you gotta go to Ben's website and check it out. What's that? If they have, if people haven't seen it, they need to go to your website and see it because that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's quite interesting. It's the first time you point a camera at a no molly in the bush and somebody uses it. That's what you get. That's pretty amazing. That was absolutely incredible. So how did you feel about going on TV, you know, on a TV show to do this stuff? Did, did, did they pretty well stick to what you wanted to stick to? Because, you know, how some of these TV shows want to stretch stuff to make it more interesting. Well, um, how do I want to answer that? I was disappointed in their lack of actual interest mm-hmm. um, from the stars of the show whom I contacted and attempted to contact for years. It took three and a half years of contacting them. and It was the connection to Dogon that had him go on. I will say this, the team is really just great people. It was a lot of fun. They flew me out to Los Angeles and, and did the footage. Um, but as they do, they ask the questions and then they feed the answers to their stars to to, huh. to answer which was okay except i happen to know that none of those guys in fact bill burgess or bill, you know, bill uh, burns who started the show alien hunters uh-huh. is on was on it and he's a, a nice guy in fact we drove him home from the mufon connection where he was the keynote speaker at the end of the conference and but i i had him come over to the booth and i showed him the normally stones and he had never seen or heard of them before so we knew that they didn't really know anything about them so it was interesting to watch him comment on them but i was just more disappointed that they didn't take a a, a serious interest mm-hmm. other than the production of the tv show and and an interest to find out more about them because I think they're very enigmatic and intriguing. And in my, you know, I'm sure I'm you know, biased, but in my opinion, it would be much more interesting to do something on an unknown right. than it is to compl- to continue to repeat uh, other matters. But I understand that they also don't want to go into the West African jungle. With their, none of those guys are going to go in there. Mm-hmm. There's no hotel. There's no <laughs> cabbies, and uh, you know. There's, and I understand that. You know, it's, they get taken care of when they go to Egypt. They got a they got a handler who comes and gets them, and and they're not in any danger of getting shot. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't blame them. I wouldn't go to West Africa if I were them either. I mean, I could go someday. I might, but uh, I wouldn't go. I'd have to make sure I wasn't involved in any politics or. And I just wouldn't want to get involved and drawn into any of those things. Absolutely. Someone in the chat room wants to know if you ever do healings with your stones yourself. Yes. And how do you do those? Depends on each circumstance. Uh Generally speaking, again, I... Now, I can say that we've done... There was a healing done that I didn't do myself, but we were at the the consciousness show in Philadelphia and two women came by with a man and he was, his sister was one of them and she was holding his arm because he had neurological issues and he seemed to be pretty much out of it. 
and they saw one of the stones and then she asked if they could do a healing with it and I said yes and so they sat in the back of the booth in three chairs they used the stone and it was very interesting the energy was discernible Mm -hmm. I was just seeing like there was something happening there it was really powerful and, and he was healed and in regards that he got up and walked around the show. He was bright-eyed. He came over and said it was amazing. He was astounded. He came by the show booth many more times over the next day and uh, without her holding his arm and on his own volition and on his own power. And he called me after the show and said that that night at uh, 3 or 4 in the morning, he had what he felt was a visitation of Ooh. some sort and that further healing had occurred so that can occur but for the most part when uh, if i'm involved in any healing opportunity i would i prefer to uh, have an environment where it's quiet mm -hmm. and uh, and softer lights and then just decide which stone seems to be the the right vibration, if you will, let the person pick. Right. Or depends on what they're dealing with. And uh, then give them the stone or hold the stone on them. Either way, both. And um, and let it do its work. Makes sense. So do I do healing? I don't know about that, but I, I use the stones. And and uh, yes, I, I guess the answer is yes. I'm involved also. If you want to get any information out to the scientific world about these things, what what would that be? Well, uh, it's more that I would be interested in the scientific world um, using their expertise to to test them in every mm -hmm. in any regard. Uh, you know, how do they impact people? Hook hook people up to the analysis machines and and then connect them to the stone and see what happens let's document healings let's document those who are clairvoyant if they use them so i would just say that this is a wide open slate that it's a great opportunity for anyone in their field of expertise to you you know where they're they're in their bailiwick to apply it to mm -hmm. this new um, finding this, this new enigma, these mysterious stones, and for the first time ever to document what happens. And then we will use that to create the TV internet show mm -hmm. and uh, perpetuate the Nomali rise. Has anybody done any kind of carbon dating or anything on these things? Well, as you know, you can carbon date organic material okay. you cannot carbon date stone okay so the only carbon dating that was done was with angelo petoni when he found the stone with the ball bearing in in the stomach uh -huh. because he was excavating it uh he did uh, identify the carbon date through carbon dating that that was seventeen thousand years old now one of the other factors in that is that they are found randomly in the jungles right they're found by the natives and then they are venerated, kept, used, etc. But none of those natives are going to dig up three pounds of dirt around it right. and bring that back. <laughs> right, right. 
Can you help us out? Get, get, get us a bucket of dirt while you're at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even when they find them, they're not, you know, they're not connected to the outside world. They're, right. They're thinking they found something and that's a blessing to them and they're going to use it. Right. It's going to go on a pedestal. But, but, and then, you well, know, and they, the they know how old they are. They're, right. They're timeless. Right. So they don't, you know, they would wonder why you wouldn't know that already. <laughs> what's wrong with you, you don't know what do you got to dig dirt for to know what we already know what's the matter with you people <laughs> aren't there um i was i was watching something a while i don't watch a lot of tv anymore but um i saw that there was a different type of dating technique that they have now that's beyond okay. carbon dating have you heard of anything else beyond carbon dating that might work with that they could go in and get you know figure this i don't out? but i'm sure they're going to develop something yeah. And we certainly would have interest in in having them tested. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. I'll, I'll see if I can find out what, whatever that's called because I can't remember but off the top of my head. But you know, at the end of the day, if they're blessing people, right, that's what really matters. Right. I mean, if, it, if it can have an impact on people's lives and on a day-to-day -day factor, you know, and I'm not saying you touch them and you're healed forever. Right. But somebody said to me, he says, well, they can't be that good because nobody's lived 300 years in the jungle. And I said, well, how do you know? Right. You don't know. <laughs> they might. But the bottom line is, you know, it's like with medicine or any other blessing. It's making the journey a little easier, taking some of the pain away. Right. Sometimes it's a complete healing. Right. Many times it's a slow, complete healing. Right. With consistent application of something to rise us up from whatever's taking us down right 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 now here's a question i ask everybody this is this is an offbeat question but since you know you're trying to get the word out about the stones it, it might fit well if you're in las vegas and they're and, and you're on the strip you've got a store out there an antique store we'll say that okay antiquity store and there's a bunch of other guys that have anti anti you know an antiquities too what do you say to bring people in to look at your stones? Well, I can tell you that I wouldn't say anything. Okay. Because <laughs> it's been it's been my experience that if someone's going to connect to a stone, mm -hmm. it has little, if anything, to do with what I say. Sure. And if they're connecting to the stone, there's little I could say to stop them from connecting. It's, you know, I could, I could, I could do a carnival barker and bring in five thousand people with right. no interest. Right. But what would be the purpose? All I got to do is have them there. In a, uh, for instance, the professor um, Rebecca mm -hmm. who acquired the stone. I had them on exhibit for a weekend in New Hope, Pennsylvania, at an African art store. And she wandered in, it was her birthday. And she saw the stone. She picked up another one first and set that down and then picked this one, the one she ended up with. And as soon as she picked it up, she knew that she was supposed to buy it. Nice. And own it. Well, that's how so it is. There's nothing I could have said that would have made any difference. In right. Regard. I didn't say anything. Right. Well, you know, I have enjoyed talking to you about this. This is a fascinating subject for me. And I am going to find you. out what that dating process is so I can tell you, okay? Because I, I think it might, it, might, it might work for the stone. I don't know. I'm not positive, but I think it might work. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
but I'd like to get you on in the future at some point to talk more about this. You know, once once you get your your other projects off, you know, launched off and everything. Is that okay? Yeah, and I, I I don't know because if you if you age stone, uh-huh. I mean, art isn't stone mostly millions of years old. How do you determine when they carved it? Is the yeah, question I that's would the have. issue. That's the issue. Yeah, without going into the ground and, and, and seeing how old that ground is around it. That makes sense. Yes. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I, I, I want to get you back on again to talk about this. This is absolutely fascinating. Well, thank you for introducing the Nomali to all of those in your audience and in your circle of influence. Where can people get it? Find you. Get a hold of you. Find you. Ancientalienstones.com Okay, cool. You have a Facebook page? I do. I think that's also Ancient Alien Stones, but I'm also under Ben Vonderheide. Okay, cool. All right, Ben. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, and... my son has all that technological stuff, so yeah, <laughs> he has a Facebook page, a LinkedIn page. Also, we have 10,000 nice. plus people who have uh, followed on LinkedIn. And uh, so those are the places, and and there are, you know, again, there's the uh, the ancient aliens episode was right season fourteen episode four. It was one of the highest rated episodes. Cool, cool, and, cool. Uh, that's of interest to the connection to the Dogon to those who might have interest in the Dogon. Tribe. Absolutely. All right, Ben. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Peace. Have a great evening. You too. Bye bye. Bye. All right, guys. That was really fun. Not the first part when we had the issues with the audio, but hey, at least we finally got it rocking. Anyway, thank you guys for coming. Um, I'm going to go ahead and post Ben's website uh, between the uh, uh, his regular website and the Facebook site up as well. Uh, tomorrow night, we're going to have a pretty fun show. I have a pet psychic coming on. Her name is Jennifer Wallen, and she just might do some readings for you guys. So be aware of that. You know, I, I think I could twist her arm a little bit. But she's going to be a phone-in thing, just like tonight was. So just be aware of that. But, uh, yeah, so she's going to be on tomorrow night. I thank you guys for being patient because we did have those audio issues. At least we got over those. In fact, my phone, um, I had been on the phone most of the time before the show, so I didn't even know if I had enough juice to, to you know, for this phone call. So that's why I kept glancing back, wondering if the little white line was going to disappear. Anyway, I thank you for coming. Um, if you like the show... Tell five of your friends. If you didn't like the show, tell five of your enemies. We're trying to build up, you know, our audience more and more and more. You guys are doing fantastic doing that. Uh, you know, um, I forgot to run this. Well, I didn't forget to run this. I wanted to make sure on the show, as you saw, I was running some uh, photo credits because some of that stuff I got off the Internet, and I didn't want to have any kind of copyright issues going on. So I didn't get a chance to run my banner. Uh, this show, uh, because California Haunts is, is non-profit, this show uh, comes out of my pocket. So I finance everything. My producers help me a little bit here and there. And, you know, any, any little bit that you could donate towards my production on this show would help because I want to keep bringing in really cool guests like, like Ben and, and, and other people. And that could be, it, as you can see on the bottom down there, paypal.me at California Haunts. The other issue we have is YouTube. YouTube does not allow you to have a URL to what you want until you reach a certain amount of subscribers. And right now we're about 30 or 40 below the subscribers we need to reach that point. If you tried to Google us to see our videos and, and you know hear, hear this stuff, you wouldn't find us. And I, I've done it myself. I, I am a 
internet fiend. So, you know, I've been Googling away and I can't even find myself on the stupid thing. So what you have to do is you have to go in through our website at www.CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com and click on the video that's on the front page. That will take you to our YouTube page. And from there, you'll be able to subscribe. Because, like I said, if we get enough subscribers, we'll be able to have a dedicated URL that, ta- that will take you directly to our page. So I'd really appreciate it if you guys would do that. But anyway, I want to thank you all. And I'm going to go ahead and bring up his information real quick. Sorry, I, I winced there. I got an ice my, my foot. <laughs> I got swelling on my leg. So here's his websites to get a hold of him, and that's www.ancientalienstones.com. And then his Facebook is www.facebook.com. Whoa, that went fast. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Dot n- Namoli Hunters. So there you go. www.facebook.com Namoli Hunters. So again, thank you guys for coming. I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And thank you. Thank you, thank you.